No Sleep Till Belmont is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know the Islanders' ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. And if you want tickets to Giants, Jets, even those hated Rangers or Devils, they're all available on the Game Time app. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Hey, everybody. This is Arthur Staple. Welcome to the latest episode of No Sleep Till Belmont, the Athletics Islanders podcast. I am a Arthur Staple, your Islanders beat writer, joined as always uh, from nearby, a little closer than usual, but still very far away, uh, Mr. Mark Parrish, former Islander, former NHLer, all-around great guy. What's up, my friend? Oh, that was so nice. <laughs> it's nice It's nice being on the East Coast right now, so I don't have to worry about the time that we're recording this. <laughs> I love it. That is good. That is good. Yeah, and everything is positive when, when you've won nine in a row, so we're, we're nothing but upbeat here. Uh, as the Islanders continue to just churn through every single one of their opponents, not exactly like you know they're not curb stomping anybody, but it's um, but it's been pretty impressive and uh, a fun reminder. As I tweeted uh, some numbers the other day after they shut out the Sabers on Saturday, um, quickest to ten wins in Islanders history. They're ten and three right now. The last time they won ten of their first thirteen uh, was two thousand one, two thousand two, a season that we've talked a lot about over the course of the first few episodes of our show. But uh, I did want to ask you about what the feeling is like in the room because that situation was a little different than the one the Islanders are in. This is their second year with Barry Trotz. That was your first year with Peter Laviolette and your first year with a lot of key guys. But when you get rolling like that to start a season, how much does it does it bring you up and bring you together? It's uh, it's it's a little bit euphoric because you, you always want to start out hot. You always want to you know there's yes if you're going to struggle it's good to have it at the beginning of the year. But to to get those points early on and to have that buffer, have that bumper of points, it is enormous. It's, it follows through for the rest of the year. And the other thing is, is you get this feeling almost of invincibility. You're shocked the first time or the second time. Like when actually you get beat and you walk back into the room, everybody's like, they don't know how to react. No, Nobody's even really like disappointed or mad. It's like, wait a minute, we didn't win. How did that <laughs> not happen? Was there a guy, I mean, I, everybody, I, I would assume, and you would, Probably assume because you were one of the few, one of the guys that was a holdover from the the miserable season before. But was it was it Pekka? Was it was there a guy or was it Osgood? Was there just someone who came in and just kind of brought that aura of like, yeah, we're good and we're going to win? Because having talked to a lot of guys over the years, especially guys who have been on losing teams that then morphed into winning teams here on the island in the last decade or so, um, I remember Kyle Opozo said it to me in uh, the 2014-15 season, which was their first really good year after a lot of, you know, they'd made the playoffs a couple years before, but it had been a while before that. And there's some yeah. teams that had been really bad. I just said to him, like, what's, you know, how, what's the feeling like? He said, when you're when you're good, you know. And he said, I, I can't explain it, but you just know because everybody in there has been on a good team at one time or another or several good teams. That's how they get to the NHL. But yeah, when, you're, when your team is good, there's just a feeling that you know. Was was there someone that brought that feeling to you guys, or did it just sort of collectively dawn on everybody early in that year after you reeled off the first five or six? Well, since he's a fellow Bloomington, Minnesota boy, uh, Kyle, that's very well said. That that's that's kind of how you feel. It it, uh, it started in the summer. Then uh, when all of a sudden I got a phone call and, and hey, you guys just traded for Pekka. Hey, 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 you guys just got Yashin. And then, like, it, it, it started then at that point. Like, there was this, uh, uh, you know, and I'm back home in Minnesota. So I, it was, you know, I didn't check the internet. I've never been a big, well, no, I'm in media, but it wasn't at the time like there was a social media or anything like that. It was just as a team, you know, we, we communicated. And it was whether it was via text, whether it was phone calls, like, holy cow, holy cow. And, um, and I think the big thing too was all of a sudden Osgood. Like, wait a minute. We've got, we've now we pack a, yes, we've got these players coming in 
now. And then all of a sudden we get this Osgood guy that's won Stanley Cups. And even though, even though he had those god awful red pads that clashed <laughs> horrible with our uniform, but we kind of love that. Uh, that that was just part of the team. So it, it, it really started when all those moves in the summer, it, it, as a team, uh, you start to work out harder. You start to push yourself a little bit more because it's not so much of an expectations. You always feel expectations uh, when it comes to working out, when it comes to the season, being in the NHL, you're at the highest level, you're a professional sports. So there's always expectations. But that was the first time in, you know, granted in my fourth year, so it wasn't like I was that old, uh, to that where I like there was an enthusiasm, like there, there was a buzz through the team, not from the not from the town, but there was a buzz through the team that holy crap, like this is gonna be fun this year. This is <laughs> gonna be fun. And then you go into training camp and then you start talking to the media, you start you start getting the fans start and then that buzz starts coming in and it just builds. And it's it, it's a it's a it's a you then that's where I go back to that euphoric feeling. It's it's it, it was just fun. You you wake up in the morning just excited to get to the rink. You can't wait for a game. It's a it's a rare feeling in in team sports to have that much uh, enthusiasm, that much excitement, that buzz around not just the team in public eye, but just in the locker room itself. And then with, you know, Laviolette and, uh, you know, he's a, he's an energetic guy. So, so, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's something that uh, it was, it was an amazing feeling to be part of and, and uh, to go through it. Uh, yeah. It, it, there was a, there was an electricity around our locker room, whether it was the fans, whether it was the media, but most importantly, it was in the room. Like we couldn't stop having fun. I just remember laughing so much in practice and smiling in every meeting as opposed to putting your head down like, oh crap, we got to go talk about the power play. And it was like, all right, what are we going to do today? What are we going to work on today? What are we going to do in the PK? It was, there was just, there was just an electricity in that room that was so much fun to be a part of. And I and I imagine that given the the lead in to that season where you guys you know expectations maybe were higher than they'd been, but not super high because it was still the Islanders and you guys were coming off some down years and the island this Islanders team right now that's going for ten wins in a row tonight, um, you know I think is dealing with a lot of the same things and certainly they were last year when when a new GM comes in and a new coach comes in and their star player leaves. And what they're left with, I think there's a lot of guys who had been here a long time who were like, I, I don't know what we're going to be. And, um, and yeah. Barry set the tone and his coaching staff set the tone and Lou then above him sets the tone. And all of a sudden, you know, it wasn't all of a sudden, uh, they took 20, 25 games to really get to that spot, but they got there. And I think the confidence that, that, that quote that from Kyle Pozo that I, like I said, I like to go back to when I'm talking to guys, you could definitely sense that because there's... I think there's a feeling of when you've got a, a Josh Bailey or a Cal Clutterbuck or somebody like that who's been through some down years, and I think the fans kind of think like, well, you know, it, it, they're not like they're not winners. They're not part of a winning program. And I said, well, you know, Cal Clutterbuck <clears throat> played with John Tavares in in Oshawa. Like, I bet he knows. I bet he's learned a thing or two about winning playing alongside that guy, and also being a guy who was good enough to be a, a you know a, a top hundred draft pick, and. Other guys, whether it's Brock Nelson playing a year at North Dakota or, um, you know, anybody else, even if you go back beyond juniors, these guys are good enough to not only be winners, but be the guy who carried teams to win. And I think it's easy to forget that because those are levels that a lot of people get to, whether it's when you're 15 or 16 or 17, not at the same the same skill level. But but uh, but if you played youth hockey or youth sports, you say like, yeah, I, I mean, I whatever. I played two years of high school baseball. I know what it's like. And it's like, no, you really don't. Uh, no. But uh, I, I won two state championships in the Minnesota State High School League. Uh, we're all used to winning at that level. Yeah. Uh, the difference is, is bringing in guys like Pekka that, that have gone on Stanley Cup runs and Yashin with their teams in Ottawa. Osgood, Stanley Cup winner. That's the difference. You bring in those players that have the expectations of winning at the professional level at the NHL, that was that's that's an enormous jump. We're all used to 
being the best players growing up. That's uh, like you said, that's how we get to where we are. But when you bring in guys that have consistently won and have produced and, and gone on playoff runs as Buffalo did, as, as Yashin in Ottawa did, as Osgood with his rings, that's the, that's a difference that gets everyone else in the room that maybe hasn't had the success in the NHL. That's the buzz. That's the, holy crap. Like, this is for real. You know, that's you get that that instant feeling of now it, you almost feel pressure. You almost feel pressure as a teammate. You're like, holy crap, these guys are used to winning. Like we, we not only do we need to get to the playoffs, but we need to like move on in the playoffs now just to keep up with those guys. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's such a it's such a collective thing now. I mean, if Altari Philpola is not here this year, he went back home to Detroit, but but he was a guy that that people I think leaned on as a guy who was a Cup winner, carried himself uh, in that in that veteran, uh, a quiet guy, but a guy you knew you could emulate, and um, you know I think. I think a lot of the longtime Islander guys, just going back to what I was saying, like guys who know how to win and know how to be professional, even if they've been on some bad teams, it clicks back in when everybody is pulling on the rope and everybody has a role. And that's part of Barry's genius is that he, when he makes sure that everybody feels like they're part of it, whether it's, you know, making that Casey Zizekas line a little bit more of a focus, or even for this year, you know, Noah Dobson is getting in another game tonight and we'll talk about him a little bit more uh, as we Mm -hmm. go on here, but, He's a guy who getting some power play time. He's not they're not just throwing him out there every other shift on D and basically playing five D. He's not playing more than fifteen or so minutes a night, but um, you know, I think he's he's filling a role and he's feeling like, okay, I'm a part of this, even though I haven't been in the lineup a lot. So that's that's where a coach like Barry comes in and I think, you know, this team was very much more than the sum of its parts last season and they're the fact that they're already there going into game fourteen. When really the you know if you're counting pure losses, the only other team that's lost as few as three games yet is the Bruins, and they certainly everybody's you know slapping them on the back saying hey way to shake off that Stanley Cup Game Seven hangover and you guys look great and nobody's saying boo about a team that's about that could be about to win ten in a row it's uh, it's something yeah. and I just want to without being too much of a Debbie Downer for you young man. Um, <laughs> I want to go back to November 8th, 2001 at the Coliseum. You guys are riding high, 11-1-1-1, because there were still ties back then. Um, But basically one regulation loss in your first 14. You guys are the toast of the league. First time the stinking Rangers come to the Collie. And in addition to them scoring, I think, three in a little over a minute in the first period to put you guys on your heels. And I'm sure you were thinking like, because that was a team that had a lot of new guys too um, and had gotten off to a decent start, but was not like not the way your team did. And then there's a couple of fights. Cairnsy fights Steve McKenna, I think it was in the first period. Sandy McCarthy was chirping a bit. And then later in that game, which was already out of hand, Cairnsy declines an invite from Sandy McCarthy. And I think something that Ranger fans, even of a certain vintage, don't remember very well. Theo Fleury flapping his arms from the bench, <laughs> doing the chicken dance. And hearing you laugh about it is probably good because if you were still pissed about it, maybe we, maybe it would be a bad thing to bring up. But do you remember that happening? And did you think at the time, like, I want to effing kill these guys and I can't believe they're beating us? Vividly. Uh, <laughs> I, I, so Theo Fleury came uh, dead been working some color for my old uh, alma mater, St. Cloud State University. And he came down for a charity event for, for a youngster. And uh, uh, he came up to do an interview. And guess what I did to him? As he was walking <laughs> up to the interview. That's fantastic. And, and he started laughing. And I say, hey, that's the game, right? Like, that's <laughs> the game. There's nothing personal about it. But he kind of started laughing. And he's like, oh, I can't believe you remember that. I'm like, come on. How could we Islanders ever forget that? And I explained to him, too, because, you know, Kansas is my roommate that year, too. He's like, you have no idea how much Kansas wanted to rip your head off. <laughs> At that point, he's like, oh, I know. I know. You know, like those antagonists, they understand the thought process of all of us hockey players. And especially, you know, the tough guys. Theo played the game hard. And. You know, the emotions, he wore them on his sleeve, his heart on his sleeve. And no, we had a good, we had a really good laugh about that night up in St. Cloud for, for a matter of, as a matter of fact. But uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was tough. 
the worst part is it was the Rangers. <laughs> it, 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 and and it, the, the one thing I remember most about that is that uh, one of the best starts the Islanders had had in God knows how many years. And it was almost like some fans forgot how good of a start we had. And that was only our second loss and everything. And it was just like, how could you let the Rangers beat you guys? Like they, they, they cared more about just some fans cared more about just flat out beating the Rangers than the fact that the start we had and, and where we were at in the league and everything like that. And that's what, uh, truly, uh, that was when I truly uh, respected and understood rivalries in the NHL. That was, there were so many people that were just, it, it was hysterical to me. Like they, they, they almost forgot about how, how good of a star we had, where we were at in the league. It was just that the Rangers beat us. Yeah. And that, uh, Luckily for the Islanders, they don't see the Rangers until January. So if they can keep the streak going until then, that's probably a good thing. But <laughs> the Penguins do come to Barclays Center on Thursday. Um, and if they take care of business tonight against Ottawa, you know, trying to keep that streak going against the Penguins, who probably are still smarting from last season's playoff sweep, that's not a team you want to you want to have the streak end to. And, and I think the important thing for the Islanders, and I don't have a ton of worry about a Barry Trotz coach team feeling like the way that you felt where – you let it. You maybe let a loss get into your head a little bit. As it happens, you guys, I think, didn't win for maybe four games after that Ranger game before you picked it back up. But yeah. and that could have been any a young regression. coach at that time too, right? And a regret. Yeah. You know, any kind of, that kind of start maybe wasn't exactly who you were. But in a five game losing streak Correct. also wasn't who you were. So we'll see what the what the current Ranger, uh, Rangers what the current Islanders can do. Ooh, that was blasphemy. Um, <laughs> But uh, but I don't have a ton of worry that even if they lose a couple, uh, even one to the dreaded Penguins, that uh, that they'll stumble too much. I don't think they're dreaded much right now <laughs> either. Not to be rude to the Penguins, but they're you know that team's struggling right now to find their own identity too. So weekends are made for football, and with so many college and pro games on the slate, the DraftKings Sportsbook app can make your weekend even better. Actually, now that I think about it, with all the hoops and hockey action going on. The DraftKings Sportsbook app can get you in on the action 24-7, 365 days a year. DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook app, and with so much going on, they have great promotions running all month long. This week, DraftKings is running a special promo for the Battle of New York on Sunday. Just place a bet on either the Giants or Jets to win and get $10 for every touchdown scored by your team's quarterback, Sam Darnold, Daniel Jones... I don't know who you're going to pick. That's quite a battle, but uh, maybe Daniel Jones is your guy this weekend. And don't forget, the DraftKings Sportsbook app has in-game betting so you can bet on the games while they're happening. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use code QUICK. For a limited time, all new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500. That's code QUICK for all new and existing users to get a deposit bonus up to $500 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey only. Deposit bonus requires 25 times to play through. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So focusing more on the 2019-20 Islanders um, in the middle of this streak, we've we've really we've had a few shows during this streak, and we think we've talked about a lot of different aspects and a lot of different guys that have contributed pretty, pretty big to it. Um, but... Uh, but I think one guy who's who's really started to pick it up these last couple of weeks is Derek Broussard, and uh, obviously you know coming in tonight with a with a five game goal streak, and and just to put that in some context, he's got five goals in the last five games with three teams last year he had fourteen goals total, and that was in whatever seventy plus games. And um, when I when he talks about and has said it a lot that he didn't even feel like he played in the NHL last year because he was kind of yeah. an afterthought with the Penguins. He was playing yep. third line, and, and you're not getting power play time if you're not in that first unit because Sid and Gino and those guys were staying out for as 90 to 100 <sighs> seconds at least, and who's going to argue with them with the way that they play? But then he gets Delta Florida for a couple weeks. You're not going to get comfortable there when you know they're flipping you. Goes to Colorado, another high-powered offensive team, but again, third line. They're already established with their power play. They're they're kind of in a rhythm towards around the trade deadline. He's it just it seemed like it was a struggle for him to fit in, and and even here, the first, we certainly talked about it here. The first six or seven games, he was stuck on one point. 
was playing a lot of five-on-five five as the third-line center. He was not getting a lot of power play time because the team isn't getting a lot of power play time. And and I think as an offensive guy, it's just hard to find your rhythm. So Barry Trotz makes another genius move and says, we've got all these injuries in the bottom six. Let's, let's make the bottom six a little bit more separate from our top six. Moves him to the wing. And this is a guy who's one of the better face-off guys in the last decade in the NHL. And you take take that guy, and it's it, the Islanders are last in the league in face-offs percentage. I think they're below 47%. Move him to the wing. Take him out of his natural position. You would say, like, eh, I don't know. You're kind of taking away maybe the one thing that's going to help bring him some confidence. And boom, he's playing with Bovillier and Brock Nelson and five games, five goals, including one with his with his ass stuck to the end wall there in Buffalo. That's the only goal of the game. <laughs> And I think you can attest as a goal scorer, when you score one of those, you know that you're feeling oh. it. And and how, you know, you've been on a couple of different teams, and I think we've talked about this a little bit, but when you when you start the season with a new team, maybe towards, you know, as you're getting into your career, um, and if you start slow, that can, you know, it can have a much bigger mental toll on you than, than maybe it would have five or ten years before in your career. Can you, how hard is it to get that? that feeling back of being uh, being a guy who you, knows that you can contribute, but you're just not finding your way with a new system or a new team or a new coach or whatever it may be. The, the hard part with uh, the hardest part about pro sports and when you're getting bounced around, when you're getting traded, when you're signing with new teams, there's an adjustment period. Uh, three teams in one year. I mean, that's just, uh, you, 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 you never even get a chance to get comfortable with your team. Uh, when uh, and I don't know if Broussard is married or not, but like it, you, you, after the game, you want to introduce your wife to your teammates, and sometimes you're not even sure what their first name is. <laughs> you only see their name and their number over the stall, and and there's just there's just an adjustment period. And I and, I, and, and as simple as looking down uh, at the puck when you when you're playing the game, and all of a sudden you're seeing different colors. Uh, I used to, the big thing for me is I, I didn't have the greatest vision. So for me, it was, it was uh, the socks on the shin pads. Like that's where I knew my teammates were. Uh, the voices that you hear, uh, I knew Batesy's voice. So I knew he was a right-hander. So I knew where to pass the puck. Pekka, right now we were all ready. So that was easy for me. But, but when you get to a new team, there's, there's an adjustment period. There's a learning process that, that gets, easily overlooked and, and forgotten constantly when it comes to the NHL. And when, when that happens, like you, you, it's tough. It's very hard. And, and you kind of feel like you have to force it. You kind of just, or you just kind of sit back. You kind of want to be like, all right, I'm going to take this slow. I just want to make sure I don't mess this up. And next thing you know, he's at another team and he hasn't even learned the last team yet. <laughs> and, and it, there's, there's an adjustment period. Uh, fans don't like to hear that. But it's true. We're human and it takes, there's, there's a learning process when it comes to new teams. I am not surprised at all that it took a little while. I'm also not surprised at all that now, now that he's gotten comfortable and Barry Trotz probably had a conversation with him, put him in a position where he doesn't have to have the pressure of, of, of taking draws, of being the go-to guy, whatever. Hey, why don't you just sit over here and kind of watch for a little while? And he, all of a sudden now, He's the Derek Broussard that, that everyone knows he can be when it comes to playing in the NHL. We've seen what he can do. But when you're getting bounced around, it's very, very difficult to get used to all that, to get used to the – every coach has different terminology. Uh, each teams have different uh, signals when it comes to going into a face-off. Uh, uh, Matt Cullen used to like to spin his stick one certain way. Uh, Michael Pecca used to use his eyes when it came to like, Hey, this is what I want to do on a face off. That takes time. And, and it's hard to accept that, uh, you know, on the outside, but now he's getting comfortable on Long Island and obviously a, a, another head nod to coach trots, uh, on, on the way he's handled him, the way he's discussed with them. And as well as the team, the, the communication between the team, not just on the ice, but off the ice. Whether it's on the bench, whether it's whether it's in the locker room, that communication, like, hey, look, this is what we were looking for. Okay, cool, thanks. Like, there's nothing. I, I was uh, I was in L.A. when I got traded to L.A. from New York. Uh, man, there was a lot of inside jokes that I, <laughs> you know, and and Ronick and Robitaille, and they were great. Uh, don't get me wrong, they were great, but 
at the end of the year, you know, like all these things were happening on the ice and, and they're all looking at each other and everybody's nodding and they look at me and what am I supposed to do? Shake my head. I mean, the face off <laughs> supposed to happen. Like, yeah, yeah, I get it. Well, shit. I hope I go on the right quest. <laughs> you know, like it, it's the, all that matters. All that gives not only one, do you know where you're going, but two, it gives you confidence. It gives, you know what I mean? It brings you into the loop. And, and right now we're seeing Broussard come into the loop of the Islanders, not just coming into the loop, it comes storming into the loop. Yeah. I'm curious to see, you know, Jordan Eberle's back practicing with the team, I would guess maybe a week, uh, 10 days until he's ready to play again after missing, you know, close to a month. Um, Leo Komarov's going to be back next week, it sounds like, so he'll he'll get his role back. Um, I don't know if that necessarily affects Broussard, but Everly's return certainly does. If I'm curious to see if Trot says, okay, we're going great guns with this second line with with Broussard on the wing. Everly comes back, <clears throat> we'll keep you know we'll keep him up. Maybe Josh Bailey plays a little center. We'll we'll have to sort of you know adjust on the fly. Or does he say now my guy who we signed to be our third center and Broussard has his confidence. He's kind of been on the wing, maybe a little bit out of the line of fire. Now, now he's back to the guy that we thought we were getting. So let's put him back at, at that third line center and see what we can do. I, you know, that that to me, and you know, again, I'm not going to doubt what Barry's moves are going to be. He's batting close to a thousand with with these little <laughs> detail moves so far this season and and last season. But I, but it is, you know, it is something to watch as as they get healthier. You know, I think we've been talking a lot about some some more fringe guys, you know, fourth line guys, I would, you know, it seems quite obvious to me the way that the minutes are being used that Oliver Wallstrom will be the guy who goes back to Bridgeport when Everly comes off of IR. When Komarov yeah. comes back, maybe Michael Del Call, maybe Ross Johnston, you know, goes to the bench. Um, but I think that, you know, what they decide to do with that, with that center role, and I guess really it's technically the fourth center right now because Casey Zizekas is playing more of a 3C, and, and Matt Martin just started skating the other day, so he may be on a shorter timeline to return than than we thought. So, yeah, there's uh, there's some interesting moves that are going to be made, and I'm, and I'm curious to see if Barry sticks with the status quo because Broussard is lighting it up on the wing, or if he says, this is a guy we need at center, and we're going we're gonna to put him back there. I, I agree. I'm looking forward to seeing that, but at the same time, uh, Broussard's a center. So it's, it's good that he's gotten confidence on the wing. And at the same time, I, I guarantee you he's itching to get back to center. Uh, as well as uh, you just spoke with, uh, had a long conversation with Kevin Weeks last night before we went on air about that fourth line, about the Sezekis, Martin, that, that, that fourth line, to have that fourth line. I We both believe. He's got to be excited to get that quote unquote fourth line back together again. Cause that's the, then that was the one thing we were both laughing about. Like we, as teams, we don't see first, second, third, fourth line. Uh, we, we, we practice, we have different colors, like it's just red, green, blue, whatever it is, yellow, orange, uh, whatever the four colors you have as a team. Uh, but, but we don't look at first, second, third, fourth line. We have our lines, uh, uh, as the lucky sevens on Long Island, we didn't first, second, third, fourth. We didn't give an ass. We, we didn't care. We, like, we wanted to. Uh, that was our line, uh, and that's exactly how that Sezikis and Martin line. That's that's exactly how Broussard. Like they just want that line that they're confident at playing with, and that their coach will put out there when needed. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually, we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it with a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Just go to roman.com Belmont and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle. 
but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to get roman.com slash Belmont to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's getroman.com slash Belmont for a free visit to get started. Getroman.com slash Belmont. All right, let's get back to hockey. Okay, getting back into uh, the 1920 Islanders, which we've been focusing on since we were going down memory lane with you, Mark, earlier in the show. Um, another new guy uh, this year, really the only other new guy, is Semyon Varlamov. Um, and, you know, again, uh, the adjustment period for a guy like Derek Broussard, you know, this is a very systemic, you know, structurally sound the, that stuff is important on this team. So that takes a little bit of time to adjust to, especially if you've been on, I think it's five teams in the last three years for Broussard. Varlamov was in Colorado for almost a decade, but he comes in and on a long-term deal, replacing a guy who was only here one year in Robin Leonard, but was incredibly popular and incredibly successful. And it was fans were incredibly disappointed that he was not coming back. And on top of all that, Varlamov is now working with Mitch Korn and Pierre Greco, which maybe for a 31-year-old goalie is not that exciting to have, even even if it's the goalie whisperer and Mitch Korn, who's worked with a million different guys to great success, maybe you don't want to change 12 or 15 things about what you're doing. So you know it's going to take some time. And when he, yep. got pulled, when he got pulled against Edmonton in the, whatever it was, third game of the year, it was unfortunate but not totally unexpected. So fast forward from there, we're through a nine-game win streak. Thomas Grice goes tonight to get number 10, but Varlamov, they've split it exactly evenly. Varlamov gets the shutout in Buffalo. He makes a couple of really nice saves, gets a lot of help from the iron. I think they hit three posts or crossbars, the Sabres did. But he is now seemingly up to speed with what Mitch Korn wants and what Pierre Greco wants and what Barry Trotz wants. He's he's gotten used to the technical things that they're fixing in his game, which was, uh, you know, Varlamov is not as uh, is not as chatty as Robin Leonard was, which is un- unfortunate for me, but common because not very few people are as chatty as Robin Leonard. Nope. Um, Play with Robbie, you know, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> Robin talked a lot early last season, whether it was through training camp or the first month of the season, about the technical parts of his game. And his game was a little bit more Hasek-like before he got to the island. So there was, I think, a lot of, a lot of things to calm down about him. I, you know, the quiet quiet is the is the biggest compliment you can pay to a goalie, I think, is for a coach or for a commentator, that he's not moving around all the time. And Robin Leonard was always seemingly moving before he got to the island. Um, Varlamov has already, you know, has already experienced a lot of success in the NHL, whether it was with Washington initially or in Colorado. But he, you know, he told me the other day he, he wanted to come here in part because he wanted to learn. He, he likes to be open to those new ideas. And, and obviously Mitch Korn has, has some pretty – solid ideas about that. And I think part of Barry Trotz's desire to split him and Thomas Grice through these first few games, regardless of whether they were 10 and three or three and 10, is that he wanted to make sure Varlamov was comfortable and easing into things and and working on what he needed to work on before practice and during practice. Um, And I, you know, it felt like Saturday was the time that he started to put it all together. And and it's, it's funny. I think um, I would imagine that there's a lot of goalies who have worked under, Mitch and under Barry, who through the first few weeks of training camp or the first few weeks of the regular season are both who are just muttering a lot of curses under those masks during, during <laughs> practice or during drills saying, what am I doing wrong? Why Why is this going to work? Why are you changing things? I'm in Varlamov's case, I'm a 10 year NHL veteran. I don't I don't need to do this. And then, boom, you know, during the streak, you've seen the light bulb go off for him. And, and I don't think he's changed a ton, but I think he's changed just enough and um, adapted just enough to, to, you know, slide into the stream uh, with all the other guys that are going in the right direction here. And let's not forget the adjustment to Lou. There's an adjustment to working under Lou, Uh, whether it's the beards, there's, there's the, the old school, uh, rules that he puts into place. Uh, and that's another thing that we, I actually discussed with uh, Kevin Weeks actually last night, uh, is that, uh, you know, that, that that's an adjustment. It's old school. They're the, just the, whether it's the shaving, uh, the times, the, you know, Hey, if you got a 
Now at the games at seven o'clock, there's a five thirty team meeting. You better be there at five twenty five. Hmm. or you're late, you know, like, so all those things, when you come from a different organization where, Hey, if you walk in at five thirty-one, most of the time, eh, no big deal. Like, Hey, is everybody in here? No big deal. You walk in a second, excuse me, five minutes early. And you're all of a sudden late to a team meeting with Lula Murillo, like that, all those adjustments, uh, have to get taken into account. Um, hence the reason, I don't know, it's not a shocker that, Toronto's kind of fighting themselves because they really <laughs> needed a mustache and a beard, and and it was too much. Uh, it was, it was, it was too old school for these young kids. And and look at how Toronto's doing compared to the Islanders. Side note on that, by the way. Um, but you know, like all of that takes into account, and especially yeah, Varlamov, like uh, uh, he's got to also come in where he's he he's got to know. I mean. Barry and and with last year with Grice and and Leonard, they split time. Uh, it, it was I I felt bad last year for Grice because yes Robbie had a great year last year. Uh, don't want to take anything away from that, but how, how many other goaltenders split time like that? And you know he he had to he had to follow that in and and so it's one of those things where it's again it's an adjustment period. He came in. Most goalies, when they come in getting signed, they, they get that contract. They're the they're the starter. They're the man. They're the go-to yeah. guy. Well, no, we're splitting this. He's got to walk in knowing that we're we're splitting this, and we're gonna you know give give Grice as much time. We're gonna give yeah. So it's it's uh, it's one of those situations, just like anything else. There's an adjustment period, and yeah, he he has stepped it up. He's starting to play better, but. It's just like any other skater, and especially the goalie. It's harder for a goaltender. They want to get in. They want to just play. They want to get into their game. Well, sorry, the other one's playing better. Sit back. Wait, you just signed me to what? And I have to sit <laughs> sit back and watch the other guy do this? It's, it, it's hard for goaltenders to do that. They're just like quarterbacks in the NFL. Bring in another quarterback, and then all of a sudden, wait, I'm not playing every game? Yeah, it's it it's uh, geez, we're talking here about these adjustment periods. We make it we make it sound like they are three and ten instead of ten and three and going for ten in a row. Like everybody, be patient with the adjustment periods. Like one of the, they've won nine in a row. My mistake. I'm sorry. Right? It's um, amazing though. No, but that's, it, it that's is. what's amazing. That's that's it, it, trots. That's Lou. That's I mean, it's really amazing the the culture. That, that that they have brought in and it was yeah there was some work last year there was some bumps and bruises but I the the playoffs the way they ran the way they finished uh, the the playoff run that they had granted nobody was satisfied with that nobody would be satisfied with that but at the same time the stepping stone of holy crap we got this far and we kind of felt like as a group that we were just growing together. That that's an amazing thing right now that the Islanders are going through. It really is. It really is. And and uh, you know, I think we've left a few things unsaid. Obviously, a lot of their core guys have have been very consistent. And and in net, Thomas Grice. I think we've we've probably brought him up a couple of times, but but not enough. I you know I haven't no. I haven't run the run the numbers since the beginning of last year. But he's got to be close to top in the league and in, in even strength save percentage since the start of last season. This is a guy who. He's 34 years old. He's in the last year of his contract, and he is as even keel and unassuming as pretty much the Islanders' stature is around the league, <laughs> where, where Barry has sort of coached them to feel like, all right, well, we're, we're just going to go out and win 10 in a row and, and shut everybody yeah. up again and, and get all the, 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 the stats projections all flummoxed and uh, get everybody talking about us. It's... it's uh, it's 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 interesting to see, and I, I think we've, you know, Grice has become uh, like a lot of good goalies. Uh, you know, you just assume that when he's in there, everything will be fine. And if he has a clunker, yeah. it's it's a rarity. Um, but he's got he's had no real adjustment period. He you know he he got lit up for four in Carolina, and other than that, he's been keeping it really tight. And he is, I think, he's helped show the way too for Varlamov, where it's like. 
listen, you know, you're, you know, whether it's in camp or early in the season, you're struggling with some of these adjustments. Well, look at me. Like I did this last year and, <laughs> and I'm, and this is going about as well as it can go. So trust the, trust the process and trust what they're telling you and, and try to work on it. And you're going to get there. And, and the fact that Verlamov seems to be getting there faster than maybe even Leonard did last season and Grice is already there, Yep, man, you know, I, I understand that the save percentage numbers are high and and the piece that I did earlier this week about consulting some of the analytics writers, uh, you know, talking about goaltending and save percentage, and it seems unsustainable, and I totally get that. But when you're into year two of these numbers being unsustainable, there might be something to it. I don't know. I, you know, I, the the numbers do sort of escape me at times when you talk about unsustainability. But we're into almost a hundred games now with Barry Trotz as the coach, and their the to- overall save percentage is 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 incredibly high. So there must be something to it. There must be something to the way that he's coaching and the way that the goalie department is, is working with these guys that, that, um, that it just works. And it's certainly working with guys that, that are not huge names. And even Varlamov's, you know, four times five contract doesn't put him in the top 10 in the league. I don't think for goalies, there's guys out there getting paid a lot more with a lot more years left who aren't seeing these kind of results. So it is, it is, remarkable in the context of a lot of things that are remarkable so far about this team. Couldn't agree more. And yeah, and it goes with, uh, and again, to, you can't take away from Lou and and what he's done. Uh, I think Toronto would love to have this issue. Boy, you're really stuck on the Leafs, huh? What's, what's going on there? Well, they're, <laughs> Just kidding. They're not, they can't, they can't <laughs> stop the puck. Their D zone's awful. I have a, are you kidding me? Don't you remember 2002? <laughs> I mean, we were talking about that early in the show, but that was a long time ago. Just just so you know. It feels like yesterday. <laughs> uh, well, <clears throat> just to date us both, since that 2001-2002 was my first year covering the NHL, I was covering the Rangers. 2001-2002 was not your first year in the NHL, but it was kind of a big coming out year. I'd just like everybody to know, too, as I was looking up some of the stats from around that time of their, the, the 0102 team's great start, that even in that 6-2 loss to the Rangers and Theo Fleury doing the chicken dance, which was your second regulation loss in 15, first 15 games, you scored your 13th goal of that season in game 15. So imagine today what sort of social media, like Josh Bailey has a song. Mark Parrish would have, like, I, I don't even know, <laughs> song, commercial, plane flying over the Coliseum with your face on it. Thirteen and fifteen, man. That's impressive. I wish I remember that. Much. All I remember is losing to the damn Rangers. That's you got to work with on some with somebody about that. That's you had so many so many positive things to think about, and that's all you, you remember the one negative thing from the first two months of the season. I think that's Jeez. what makes us what we are. That's true. Well, that's a, that's a different podcast, though. So. Um, Let's talk about somebody who's going to make us both feel old, and that's Noah Dobson, who I believe was maybe a year or two old uh, back in 2001-2002. He's 19 now, and he is playing— he was maybe born. Yeah, I think he was born. We can at least be sure of that. Um, He is playing the back-to-back games for the first time this season. I think it's game number four or five for him tonight against Ottawa. Nick Letty's still out day-to-day. So Noah Dobson is getting back in again, and I think um, you know Barry Trotz has a great way of explaining these things. And uh, you know, for all of the the, I can't believe they would have a twelfth overall pick, nineteen year old kid who's who's a future number one defenseman, um, and then have him sitting on the sidelines or getting bag skated every day while the other while the rest of the team plays. Well, first of all, like I said, one nine in a row, so hard to argue with that. Secondly, yeah. Barry's. Uh, conversation today was was really interesting where he said you don't he's like I don't like starting young guys on the on the top line or the top D pair because there's only one way to go from there and mm-hmm. it's not the, and it's not the right way for their development that Correct. if you if you go through a, a rough patch then you're on the second line or on the second pair uh, you still struggle you get dropped down again still struggle then you're out of the lineup and if you start slow his theory goes you build in confidence because the NHL, the NHL is a lot about confidence, and the NHL can take your confidence away as a young player, which is a really, you know, it's. I think that's a barryism. I'm sure he said it before, but it, it does get you thinking that 
there is clearly a method to this, and I and I am guilty of it, and I think a lot of people are guilty of it. When you see a kid who's only can only play in the NHL or go back to junior, and they decide to keep him, boy, you get excited. You think this kid has won back to back Memorial Cups. Hardly anybody's done that in the history of of you know Canadian junior hockey. Um, he's played thirty minutes a night. He was the Quebec League playoff MVP. He's done everything you can do as an amateur player. So here he is. Let's put him out there. Let's play him 22 minutes a night on the right side, second pair, maybe a little power play. Let's let him roam loose and see what he can do. And here's Barry Trotz, who's been around the block a little bit, to say, no, we're going to go more like 12 to 14 a night, maybe a little bit of second unit power play. Um, We're going to start him on the left side because that's the only spot we have available on his off side. And, uh, you know, the last four minutes of every period, he's not going to see the ice because that's not what we do. So fans get disappointed by that. And I'm sure that Noah himself is not used to playing a 30 to 35 second shift and then hustling off to the bench because I'm sure in in the Quebec League, they were like, get out there and come back when you're tired, whatever that may be, Um, because he was the best that they had. So I'm sure that's an adjustment for him as a young guy to to be in and out of the lineup and and, and try a difficult to one at that. right and try to develop a rhythm as a as a young player in a new league facing off against you know Connor McDavid and Brady Kachuk getting a stick up in his face tonight Sidney Crosby's coming in on Thursday if Letty's not ready you know these are these are not guys you want to be unprepared for. And I think he's handled himself really well. And I think his underlying numbers are good. He's not putting up a ton of points, but playing a very simple game with a with a good, simple partner in Johnny Boychuk, and he seems to be able to handle the left side as a righty. Um, what do you think of the philosophy of let's start as slow as we possibly can, even with a super talented guy? That's the oh, – um, You can disagree with Barry Trotz. You'll probably be wrong, but you can disagree with him. Why would I do that? <laughs> uh, no, you know what it reminds me of in uh, another Lou Lamarillo uh, guy, Jacques Lemaire, uh, and in Minnesota uh, with Nick Schultz, with Brent Burns. Uh, you've got to make that decision. Once a player, um, and I actually just said that uh, St. Cloud about the Sam Henches, uh, a wild prospect, uh, he, he, um, organizations, scouts, general managers will tell you a player will tell us when he's ready for the next level, right? And they don't obviously just make a phone call. This is, they they play the way they play. They're ready for the next level. So maybe the team doesn't necessarily have room or the team is in a position, a situation to where they're, they're, like the Islanders, where they're one of the better teams in the NHL. But Noah Dobson has moved past Major Junior. He's ready to learn the professional game. He's ready to sit there, uh, which is hard, uh, because especially in that situation where you can't put them in the American League and let them play a ton. So you've got to find that balance. And, And that's where Noah Dobson clearly is. Uh, he's proven his moxie in the CHL. He, he's won. He, he's dominated. So being there will uh, more or less kind of almost give him overconfidence. He'll start doing things that will hurt his game at the next level because he's just that dominant. And you've got to have the right kit too. You've got to have the right player, the right mentality. So, so you've got to understand that, that he will be able to sit there and learn and learn and learn through practice, through coaches, through the other players. And it's hard to accept that as fans, especially as like, wait a minute, like we signed this guy. He's our, he's our next, he's our second coming. He's, he's the guy that, that, that we need in the lineup, that he's going to be this and that and this and that. He still has to learn the NHL game to be a professional. You think as a player, uh, man, uh, uh, when I first got to, you get to the NHL, you get to the NHL, you're like, all right, I got this game figured out. Yeah. All that gets erased. You, you, you get to learn a whole new style of hockey, a whole new thought process when it comes to the game of hockey. And that's where Noah Dobson is. And that's the balance between one, uh, again, Lou is a great general manager, uh, 
Trotz is, again, a great coach, there's the balance. And you've got to have the right team for that, too, because he's going to learn sitting up in the press box and more in practice. He's got to have guys like Nick Letty. He's got to have Boychuk. He's got to have these players around him that are that are that are willing to help him out and move him along as a player. As and that just comes from character. That's people. And hey, this is what you got to do. 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 And I've been there. Uh, and that's where he's at. It's frustrating for the fans. It's frustrating to sit on the outside and say like, Oh, he's not playing enough. He's not playing enough. But for him, he's also, he also has to have the right character to accept that, that he is, it's a slow process. It's tough, especially as a defenseman in the NHL, Uh, being a defenseman, being a young defenseman, you make a mistake. It's in the back of your net. As a, as a young forward in the NHL, I made a mistake I'd come back to the bench and they'd tell me, but it still had to get through like three, four and a goalie before it actually ended up in the back of the net. So like the mistakes that I made in the offensive zone, in the neutral zone, whatever, maybe in the defensive zone, it still had to go through other players. When Noah Dobson makes a mistake, it's a one-on-all with a goaltender. It's, you know, like he's hanging his partner out to dry. And he's slowly learning that. And, and sometimes, like a Nick Schultz and, and like a, a Brent Burns, because, I mean, he hasn't done anything. Uh, it, <laughs> it, it helps to be st- put in those positions because going back to junior isn't going to help him. He's just going to get more bravado. He's going to get more arrogance and, uh, yeah, hey, I can do whatever I want because look at me doing this against guys that I've been dominating for a couple of years. So that's the decision that they've made, that it's, yes, um, it's a hard balance because you you want him playing big minutes because eventually he is a number one guy. He is a guy that's going to be playing 20-some minutes. He's going to, you know, power play, PK, you know, hopefully cross your fingers, Norris Trophy candidate year after year. But so it's that balance. But at the same time, you have to make that decision as an organization that, What's best for this kid's this? What, how do we make him his best? And, and and that's the decision that they've made is by not sending him back is like he's not learning anymore in major junior. He needs to be in the NHL. He needs to be in the program. Unfortunately, we can't put him in the American League and just let him play a ton and learn it there. Now it's the teaching skill. Now it comes down to coaching. Who the the Barry Trotz, the the coaches. Now this is truly teaching and you have to have the right support around him with players. And this goes to the character of the decor and the team of the Islanders to, to support that. We, we all understand that. Bochuk's been around long enough. Letty's been around long enough. These guys know what they're doing. They know what they're developing. And you have just, you, you have to be a, the character showing up and, and just, helping this kid out because it's a tough situation that he's in. All right. Well, uh, we need to get lobby on this show because I don't know that you ever agreed with coaches this much in your entire life. So we need to, we need to take it back, back to Oh one Oh two to see if, see how agreeable he's a you defenseman. were. That's a different story. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I think we, uh, we got through some good stuff again this week. Thanks everybody for listening. Thank you, Mark, for, participating and offering your incredible insight and wisdom as always and uh to everyone out there keep on listening this is no sleep till belmont your islanders podcast and uh until next time 